Um, and I'll be bringing the Bible reading for tonight. Um, so we'll be reading from two parts of Acts chapter 8. First parts from verses 1 to 8. Um, on that day, a great persecution broke out, broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered and preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. The second part comes from 26 to 40. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in this chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch then asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all towns until he reached Caesarea. Thank you. Thanks, Carly. May God bless the reading of his word. Well, guys, uh, soon I'm going to invite uh, Pastor Graham Sirkham up. Uh, there's just a couple of things I want to talk about just before we do that. And uh, first and foremost, uh, we were so abundantly blessed in the 8.30 service to have Lionel commit his life to Christ. So uh, we're very excited about that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's absolutely awesome news. And uh, we're looking to see so many more come to Christ as well. One of the ways that we plan to do that is through the power of presence. And we actually want everyone in our church to participate in the power of presence. But unfortunately, we found that um, there's been so much buy-in to um, Alpha and so much groundswell of uh, excitement about Alpha that we feel that the power of presence will fall by the wayside. So we've decided to delay it uh, until later in the year, and uh, we will be giving you specific dates about that, and uh, we really want to focus on Alpha right now. So you'll notice in the foyer that we now have these flyers. These actually have a QR code on them. So this is your official invitation for your friends. If you invite your friends to come, 
come, they can take this form, they can QR in and they can register for the Alpha course. So we're asking you to pray for and invite five friends to Alpha. And uh, if you can do that, it's going to be an absolutely awesome event and uh, we're really, really looking forward to that. Well, I'm going to invite Graham Sirkham up now. Um, obviously, I know Graham quite well. Graham's my mentor and I uh, pray for the guy because uh, he has to tolerate a lot with me. <laughs> Not at but, all. Uh, we were abundantly blessed this morning with Graham's message. We saw a phenomenal uh, outpouring of Holy Spirit and uh, people just responding to that message. So I'm going to pray for Graham and then I'm not going to say any more. He's going to let you know thank a little you. bit about what he's been doing and uh, we'll be blessed by the message, I'm sure. Let's Thanks, pray. Charlie. Father God, thank you so much for my brother Graham. Thank you for his heart for you. Thank you that his whole family has a heart for you, Lord. Thank you that they pursue you constantly and thank you that you anoint his word. Thank you that so many have come into the kingdom because of Graham and his family. Lord, we just pray for the same tonight. We just pray that you will touch hearts uh, through what Graham has to say and his faithfulness to you and the word that he will present. So strengthen him in this word, Lord. Let him proclaim it boldly and let us be transformed as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, enjoy hanging out with Charlie. He loves coffee and so do I. So uh, we have a monthly sort of catch up mostly anyway. And um, so very glad to be here tonight and um, this is the, kind of the third service and just a, a bit of a repeat of the same but with a little bit of difference here and there as the Lord so leads. Well just, we are going to jump into the PowerPoint right now and just introduce you my, to my tribe. Uh, so this is our mob, we've got quite a big mob as you can see, uh, that's why I've got grey hair, I taught seven of them how to drive. And really, to be very honest, I, I enjoyed, both Andrea and I enjoyed um, mentoring the, the young people, uh, our, our, our young people, as they were then. Um, our eldest is now 44, but um, our youngest, I think Fiona, must be close to 30-something. But we, we've now got 22 grandchildren and, and excited that two more, God willing, will be born this year. So it's quite a tribe, isn't it? So we love investing. Uh, and see, the home is a good place for mentoring and discipleship and training. It hasn't come at, uh, lightly, investing in our family. And as you know, as you become parents, um, you invest in your children and leave the results to God. Someone said it's, you know, uh, raising kids is like baking a cake. You're not quite sure how it's going to come out. And um, you just have to turn the temperature up every now and then, make sure. Put the right ingredients in. Come on. Amen. Just do the right thing. Come on, mums and dads. We just model it and we say sorry lots. How many times have I said sorry to my children around the table because I just got it wrong and they've been very gracious and forgiven me. So um, we're just very committed to family and very grateful to my parents as well. I'm one of eight, Andrea's one of seven. So we had good role modeling from our family members as well. So that's our tribe, just a little bit of back, back story there. But in every photograph, they, they're all smiling mostly, are they? I think so. As if, yeah, mostly. Um, but you know, behind the smile, there's always the tears as well. And uh, we're walking through all that. Really wanting to commit a lot of time uh, in this stage of our lives to um, investing in the grandchildren. I love them. Taking all the boys away, men, all the men and boys. We're going to go away for an overnighter and see if we can catch some rabbits and skin them and cook them. And my granddaughters were horrified that we were going to do that. Papa, what are you doing? So oh, we're going to skin a few rabbits and eat them raw. No, not really. We're going to. So I just want to do that with the young fellows and really have quality time with them. We we'll jump into the next slide as well. 
Just a bit of my own personal story as well. I, I don't know what it is, but well, I do know what it is. I'm going to talk about it tonight. That God has um, just birthed in me a real passion for lost people. And uh, when I started out in ministry 45 years ago, we went to Innisfail and went to the streets and lanes and just reached out to all the young people in that, in that small town. And um, it was there for a couple of years. And I pastored at Cooper just again, taking everybody out to the streets and doing some things that were quite radical out there. But um, so I've done that for a long period of time after pastoring went into itinerant evangelism really to work with and alongside of churches. But in 2016, God dropped this idea, this concept about doing chaplaincy in shopping centers. So uh, that was birthed. Um, we've now been doing it. Uh, community chaplaincy in three in three shopping centers now we've got 12 chaplains that are engaging with the community and my and my we've just seen so many people touched it's just extraordinary that we're in that space at uh, Wyndham Plaza um, Campalabar Central and also uh, Cleveland Plaza at the moment with many others sort of opening up to it seems including here that that course, that power of presence course has transformed our church. We did 100 people at Wynnum just did that course. And it's enabled them and empowered them just to be present and to let Jesus shine through where they are and wherever. You don't have to wear a shirt or be a chaplain. We just got to do it. Amen? And just shine and shine the light. In fact, it's just quite remarkable just giving people a smile seems to mean a lot. A bloke said to me the other day, he said, what is it about your smile, mate? What are you on? Are you on something? And I said, oh, no, it comes from the inside, just to have peace with God. You can just use words that they get and understand. And we just rejoice with the people coming into the kingdom and giving their lives to Jesus. I could speak, talk a lot, because after four years now, we've got lots and lots of stories Incredible brokenness in the lives of people, but God is changing them. Yeah, just in my street, it's so lovely to see what God's doing in my street as well with people coming to the Lord. We've got the folk on, the, uh, on my right looking from the front and, you know, Kevin and Bonnie just uh, opening up their hearts to the Lord. Great brokenness. And sitting in a car just on Saturday yesterday with Robert from the other side who attempted to take his own life, but the rope broke, you know, and... God saved his life and here we are in the car and he's telling the story of how Jesus changed him and Kevin's in the back and listening to the story. He said, well, I've attempted to. I, I just wanted to take my life. And here is Kevin leaning into the kingdom of God. You know, he's, they're doing the live stuff. What do you call it? Live thing on, you know, this stuff. Um, anyway, live, whatever it is, watching it on TV. So we're just praying that Bonnie and Kevin and that little family of three children will just come into the kingdom. And such a joy for Andrea to take Nellie, the other, the lady, the 80-plus-year-old lady who nearly died last year. And we found her, you know, she collapsed on the floor with a broken hip. And it took seven hours for an ambulance to come. That was very touch and go. But Nellie now is opening her life to Jesus, amen, in her 80s. Hey! That's good news, just like we saw this morning. I just love that. Catching fish is good fun. Now we're going to jump into the next slide as we open up and unpack the subject um, of why we are here. 
Last Sunday morning, um, we were, had the joy of baptizing uh, Peter, who is 73. He's an illiterate uh, truck driver, just a, just a nice guy, uh, who came to Alpha last year. We ran an Alpha course like you're going to do here. And Peter came, never regularly attended church, didn't know anything really, just went uh, to church at Christ, uh, kind of um, weddings and funerals. But I thought it would be great to encourage you to watch the video of what happened and what he shared. Would you like to do that? From last Sunday, this guy who I interviewed, his name is Peter. I wish you could meet him, but you will on the screen. Thanks so much, guys. Peter, no Chris Church stuff in your life, in your no, past? No, never, never. No. Up until nearly two years ago, church only went to weddings. Okay. If I was back, I had no belief in Jesus, totally nothing. Zero. Yep. So all of a sudden, a bloke or a lady called Maria Bellis and yeah. Peter Bellis, what, what's the story there? Well, at one stage, I was trying to uh, remove the flotation gear here, and I used to walk going to the east in the mornings, and Maria used to walk down to the west. So we'd pass one another, g'day, how are you? Nice, friendly chat. Um, and it sort of went on from then. Her husband, Peter, over here, um, I'd never met, I went up for a cup of uh, morning tea, yeah. got asked for that, so I'd met him then. Every other time, it was just as he drove past, we live in the same street. I turned around one day and who was standing at the end of my garage? Peter, Peter Ballas. And he said to me straight out, I'm taking a chance, but would you really want anything to do with religion? And I think I said to him something like, oh yeah mate, I've got an open mind. Um, I'm retired, I can do what I want now. But what it was, he said to me, well, you know, yeah, he said there'll be no pushing, no nothing with the church. So I went and did the six-week... Um, Alpha. Alpha course with him. Met some beautiful, beautiful people in this church while I was doing the course. Said to Peter after the course, you know, yeah, it's got the old mind ticking over a bit. There was something there, but I couldn't quite nail it. So I said to Pete, I'll come to church twice and see what happens. Peter and Marie brought me the first time. Second time, I was sitting there and I thought, yeah, there's something to this. You know, Jesus might even let me around, you know, let me come to church. And thanks to Peter and Marie, I'm here today. But no, that's, that's how I started. And something happened. You, you came twice and said, I'm going to come back. It, yeah. It just seems... And then one Sunday morning service, something happened. Yep, I was... I'm a diabetic, been on insulin all my adult life. And uh, I was sitting back there with Marie and Pete. And then all of a sudden, I didn't feel well. Something hit me, is the only way to describe it. And... Uh, Peter said, you're right, you know, being a diabetic, you're having a hypo. And I said, no, mate, it's not that. It's just something that's got me in the heart. That was it. Jesus spoke to me. I've been coming back for nearly a year, or after that, it's probably six months. Six months, yeah. And that's it. I decided to get baptised and make my life to Christ. So that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> 
it was the most beautiful morning actually when we baptized him and uh, gave a call for others to make a stand as well and others in the audience made a stand so uh, really lovely uh, one, of, one of them was a young lady from the inner bar street who has just come to know Jesus and then she's becoming a real little evangelist um, uh, Rachel is so so good to have these stories um, the the Bible reading that we've received tonight from, from Acts is the story of how God used Philip um, to engage in conversation with a guy who was traveling back to Ethiopia. This guy who had been in Jerusalem, um, he had uh, purchased, I guess, a scroll of Isaiah, would have cost an enormous amount of money, so uh, handwritten uh, either on vellum, I think, or uh, papyrus, but probably vellum. A very beautiful scroll of Isaiah with 66 chapters. Uh, they probably didn't have chapters in those days. It was just continuous writing in Hebrew. But as he was writing uh, in his chariot, had that encounter, that unforgettable encounter with Philip. So what I want to do is just unpack a little bit of that story. Because God wants to use you. And sometimes it's those unexpected encounters that we have on a daily basis that God is wanting to work because he's always working, he's always moving. God is very dynamic. He doesn't sit quiet, he just moves like the wind. And we need to move with him. So we're going to have a look at the subject of the unforgettable encounter. So go to the next slide and just have a look at at a story that I would like to share about my own journey moving from this sterile place to actually becoming a useful person. I grew up in a very conservative uh, Christian home. My mum and dad loved the Lord. We, uh, I was born in the UK. Um, we came to Australia in 1966. Um, my mum and dad were missionaries amongst the Wangai people, the tribal group in the Western Desert in Western Australia. So that's a little bit of my background. In my teen years, um, I really lost my way. Um, I was baptised in water when I was about 14 or 13 to 14 or thereabouts. I don't think I ever understood the real meaning of baptism. I thought it was a thing it was a thing that you do, you know, when you're in church and some of my friends wanted to get baptized, so I kind of put my hand up as well. In the latter part of my teen years, I became quite disillusioned because my Christianity was not really very dynamic. I was trying to be a Christian. I was trying to be good, but I just didn't have any power. I was powerless. And in my 20th year, I, began, I just started to read the Acts of the Apostles, almost like a last-ditch stand. And as I'm reading through the Acts of the Apostles, I'm saying to myself, Dear Lord, I just don't want to read about history. I want to make history. You've done amazing things through these ordinary people. But in my life, I feel very sterile. I struggled to really talk about my faith. I struggled to witness and, and, and speak about you. I feel like I'm empty. I, I don't have capacity. I just don't have compelling answers to give to people. If I ever talk, it's out of a sense of duty, out of a sense of, I suppose, provoke responsibility. And so at the end of my 20th year, I finished up with my company that I was working with in Perth as an aircraft engineer and went to Papua New Guinea. 
And then it was uh, sort of that moment of time, you know, that God organizes things uh, for our good because I was crying out in my heart, what was wrong with me? Why was it that I didn't have power? Why was it that I just seemed so dull and my Christianity seemed so dull? And I met a guy in, in early 1973, 50 years ago, this guy called Tony Edwards. And when I arrived in Port Moresby, the city, uh, the capital of Papua New Guinea, and a friend of mine invited me to go to the squash match, and I, I, I went, and there's this guy dressed with his T-shirt on, was, had one way Jesus on the back, which was part of the Jesus revolution of the 1970s. It was the, the finger pointing up like that with one way Jesus, and I thought, um, I don't know about the shirt. You know, I, he plays well, but... Um, I'm not sure about advertising faith like that way. And I was just quietly a little bit critical and a bit, you know, questioning whether or not I would actually ever do that. It just seemed to be a bit outrageous that someone would display their faith in a very overt way like that. But anyway, at the end of the game, I'm standing with a group of friends and Tony comes up the stairs and he said to us in the circle, I said, oh, it was very interesting. I just had a great opportunity to talk to that guy about Jesus. I thought, What? He not only wears the shirt, but he actually does it. And it really agitated me. Have you met someone that agitates you? You know, they've got something more than what you've got, or they do something that's a little bit different than, than who you are. And you say, oh, boy, I'd love to be able to do just that. And quietly in my spirit as he's sharing with us, I'm thinking, why? I don't think I've ever seen anyone do anything like that before, just, just to have that openness and capacity just to talk about Jesus after a squash match. And I got very agitated, got home and said, Lord, what's the, go, what's the go with the guy? How did he do that? I, that's amazing. The following Sunday morning, I sat next to Tony, providentially. At the end of the service, I said, Tony, I just want to say, you know, what happened at Tuesday night, on Tuesday night, the squash, squash match. I don't think I've ever seen anyone do anything like that. How did you do that? What, what, what was it that gave you the ability to just talk naturally, quite supernaturally, uh, about your faith in Jesus and, and, and to do it in a compelling way? He just turned to me. He said, what do you know about the Holy Spirit, Graham? I said, well, I've just been reading the Acts of the Apostles all throughout that year. And I, that was the end of the conversation. I thought, oh, I think I'm on the, the right track. The following Wednesday night, we had a young adults Bible study. What do you think the subject could be? You know, what? Could, you got it, mate. Well done, Riley. You knew you were here this morning. That's <laughs> yeah, right. I'll give you a jelly bean afterwards. Is that all right? Don't have any, but anyway. Uh, I thought, oh, uh, the guy said we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Oh, what? We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight. Oh. Um, okay. And throughout the one and a half hours of young adult Bible study, God started to move in me. And I'm very, very aware. My, my heart levels, are, you know, palpitation stuff starting to go on, you know, a little bit of agitation. I'm thinking, oh, wow. At the end of the Bible study, as we paused, the guy said, let's just pause. And the Holy Spirit was moving in the room. And it was like that in the 70s. It was like what's happening in Asbury was like that all over the world as well. 
And in 1970, there was a move of God at Asbury as well, in Kentucky. But it was global. And during that time of just waiting quietly, the Lord spoke to me. I actually said, Lord, what is wrong with me? And this is what I heard. I can't use you because I don't own you. If you give me ownership, Graham, I'll do the miracle. And I was very confronted there in that room. And I knew it was really a, a confrontation about who was in control. You see, I'd grown up in that Christian home, but I never understood the meaning of baptism. I never got it that it was a burial service. I, I never understood that you actually have to die before you can live. I never understood that dimension of the gospel because it is the gospel of the kingdom. We either come and submission, surrender and repentance and say, Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I'm a very selfish individual. I'm a very sinful individual. I like to be in control. That's what sin is. It's exactly what the devil said to Eve in the Garden of Eden. You can become just like God. Eat the fruit, you can be in control. And it sounded good to her and she reached up and took the fruit, gave to her husband. Immediately they became self-conscious, self-aware, deeply ashamed, covering up, going and hiding. This is what sin does. I knew all about that. I struggled with sin. Deeply. And I didn't understand about dying and being buried and allowing Jesus to be the king. But that night I got nailed. And the Lord Jesus said, Graham, I want you to be honest with yourself and tell me what it is that's holding you up. And I was very nervous about being, being transparent and in the room. This was in the room out loud in front of 30 people that I barely knew. But I was so desperate. And the Bible says that if someone doesn't confess their sin, they'll never prosper. But he that confesses it and renounces it will find mercy. So the heart of revival is always prayer and confession. It's taking ownership of selfishness and sin. I don't know if you sit here tonight and there's stuff going on in private. Stuff going on, you think, in your heart. Nobody else knows about it, but God knows about it. You'll never experience intimacy with the Father. You'll never have power until it's dealt with. Because there's a rival spirit. It's selfishness. And self-centeredness, which is sin. And that night I just started telling myself, a bloke next to me, a good friend of mine, um, um, oh dear, oh dear, Angelo Giovas, he started to shake quite violently. And the Holy Spirit began to move, just like it in Peter's life and the story in the service. Just like what's going to happen tonight, some of you are going to really get nailed by the Spirit in the room. And God's going to confront you because time is too short. And we've got to deal with the issue of our own selfishness and sinfulness. And maybe it's private and quiet and secret. It's time for us to be very open and honest with God. Well, I got on my knees. I didn't worry what was going on around me. I just said, Jesus, this is Graham. And I'm so sorry about my selfishness and sinfulness. And this is what my life has looked like for the last 21 years. 
And I remember the end of my confession saying, Lord Jesus, it took a while. Is that all? And the Lord said, yes, Graham, now ask me to fill me, fill you. And I just put my hands like this. I said, Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to absolutely possess me. I want you to fill every room. I want you to come on me and give me grace because I don't know how to do this Christian stuff. There was a great preacher. His name was Major Ian Thomas. And there was one line that, he, that really changed my, has changed my perspective as well. He said, I can't. He never said I could. But he can and always said he would. So I can't do the Christian stuff. He never said I should or do the Christian stuff. But he can. When we die, that's when we start to live. It's no longer I that live. This is the Apostle Paul saying. But Christ that lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. As you look at the diagram, where are you? You know, it says sort of, sort of, Jesus, your convenience. Or is he your king? Jesus was my convenience for a long time. And it's a bit like Eddie Maguire. It was no deal, you know. It's no deal. Is that the guy? Someone anyway. No deal. That's why when we, bury, when we baptize people, I said it to Peter. I said, mate, you're going in. We're going to have a good burial today. I'm going to hold you down for a little bit, Pete. When I see the bubbles, we know you're ready to follow Jesus. He said, okay. <laughs> have you been baptized yet in the room? If anyone hasn't and you're a follower of Jesus, you're being disobedient if you haven't. You say, oh, Pastor Graham, don't be so harsh. I'm quite happy at the moment. You're disturbing me. Uh, the Bible says if you want to be a disciple, it's what you do. You sign up. You die. And you go through that beautiful experience of being baptized. And your old life, as Romans 6 declares, you, it passes away. Well, I'm in the room and I'm just really sensing this incredible anointing. It didn't have any goosebumps on my back just knew I had to be absolutely obedient and now I had Jesus as my king and he was the, the managing director and so I was going to have to obey and it's been a 50 year story, so how have you been Graham, you know, 50 years is a long time oh it's hard I find dying hard, anybody else in the room feel that way, yeah just a few of you you see the eye is going to be bent into a sea I'm a rebellious individual and I'm sorry that I am and the Lord Jesus Christ has to confront me so often when he asks me to do something. And I, you know, I, I often question what he's asking me to do. But it's been a, an amazing journey of 50 years. And I don't know where you sit on the journey, but I just know that this is the key to spiritual life and living. You might say, do you know, Graham, I, I, I sort of feel like I'm at the cross right now. I've come to this evening service for a while. Time for you to repent and, and give your life to Jesus. Wouldn't that be a good thing to do like Peter? Come on. Why are you holding up? This is someone in the room that you kind of mum and dad are Christians, but you, you know, God doesn't have any grandchildren. You've got to make your call and your choice. I'm going to ask you to do it tonight, actually, without any sense of shame. It's a joy for us to call people to Jesus, Charlie. Come on. 
been a joy for the last 45 years, 50 odd years, just talking to people and inviting them to come to Jesus. It's nothing better than that, hey. And signing up for heaven and knowing for sure. And we, we, we died. My neighbor was on his last legs and just knew him for a long time. My dear neighbor Boyd. And the Lord spoke to me. Talk about being spoken to by the Holy Spirit. I was down at Wynnum. Graham, go to the hospital now. Just go now. I was with somebody, an alcoholic guy. I said, mate, I've got to go. And I went to the hospital and Boyd opened. Had five minutes of lucid conversation. Do you know what Boyd did? He gave his life to Jesus. That's what he did. <laughs> Amen. I tell you, it was so good. I took the funeral. And after he died, his wife, Pat, is not yet over the line. She's about across the way. She said, when I looked at his face, Graham, it was, it was changed. The last thing you see when you die, it's written there in the face. It's heaven. And so what a joy to be available and serve the Lord all the days of our life. So jump into the next slide. You know, sometimes we just love to be in control. That's been a big struggle for me to step out and take a risk and just uh, you know, move with God. Sometimes we put up the sign that says, don't disturb. You know, I'm very happy the way things are right now. But the Holy Spirit is the one who speaks and says, come and go and do this and do that. And we are called in the kingdom of God to be in subject to him because he's the king and I'm his subject. He's the shepherd and I'm his sheep. So the shepherd tells the sheep, we follow Disciples are simply followers. We used to sing a song often at baptisms. Follow, follow. I will follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere. I will follow him. So to be a follower is to obey. It's a wonderful thing to follow. And miracles happen when you follow and the Holy Spirit prompts you to do things. But sometimes we've got to wall up and say, you know, I, I don't want to lose control. That's pretty scary. And, for, you know, for 35 years of public of itinerant ministry, do you know what the big word that comes out from the church when I, we challenge them to do evangelism and to move out with God? Do you know what the one word that holds everybody back? It's called fear. Fear, Graham. And just before I, we started this chaplaincy ministry to get the church out of the building into the community, I, I'd just done a couple of sessions in two churches. I said, Graham, we're not going to do evangelism. I said, what? Why? We're scared, fearful. Well, 350 times in the Bible it says, fear not. What are you scared of? We've got a wonderful person to talk about. You've got a story to tell of your life change. Like the woman at the well, she could not stop speaking, you know, about Jesus when she got back to Sychar. And that's what we do. We just talk about Jesus. And the very core verses you're going through Acts as a church is Acts 1.8. It's kind of the hinge, the key verse, where Jesus says to the disciples, you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. You just talk about me. A witness is someone who just tells the story. Amen? Have you got a story? I mean, Rachel down the end of our street, she's just got a story. 
She's found Jesus. I tell you what, what a story. She's telling all her friends. And what a joy it is for a new Jesus follower. And, and for us, you've got a story. And I, I appreciate what Tim said before. You know, we, we've got a story. Even though I was growing, growing up in a Christian home and I first prayed my first prayer when I was three and a half and all my sin and degradation, you know, <laughs> confessing my sin. I'm glad God got me early. But you might feel like you're sitting in the center there saying, you know what, Graham, I'm going to move. I'll be terrible for you one day when you stand before Jesus. I had all these plans for you. You knew me as your saviour, but you never obeyed. I don't know what happens there. It's lose your reward, hey. We've got a world going to hell, and darkness and destruction, and you're just sitting quiet in church. I'm, I'm, this is not condemnation. I'm not into any form of condemnation. We choose, we live, we do what we do. But come on, we've got good news to share. Let's move with God and step out of that comfort zone into the new place. As we jump into the next slide and unpack a little bit of this amazing story of, of this guy called Philip, the evangelist. Uh, how he moved with God and how he was directed by God. And just how God is going to direct you and guide you. And it's been my testimony um, over the last 50 odd years making so many mistakes. Hey? Not always doing what I've been told. But this persecution broke out in Jerusalem because of Saul. And they stoned Stephen, this wonderful godly man, to death. He was one of the seven, as was Philip. Seven men chosen, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, to look after widows' tables. They were just ordinary men like you and I. And um, the, the, this kind of this scattering took place because God disturbed the people in Jerusalem. They're having such a happy time. Lots of morning teas, perhaps, and scones, and cups of tea, and beautiful coffee. And God says, time, time to get everybody moving. We've just got to get them out to where the people are. And so persecution came. And God's sovereign purpose is revealed in life circumstances. It's God's way of getting us going. Sometimes it comes as a kind of a bit of a wake-up call. It might be an accident or a loss of a job, but God often uses those life circumstances to lever us into places like me to be made redundant in Perth with my job. And my boss says, sorry, Graham, I want you to stay, mate, but we've got married engineers and we're just running out of dough and... I don't know, is there something you can do? And I said, sure, I, I can get another job somewhere, I think. And, and God said, get a Papua New Guinea. And God used that life circumstance to m move me into a place where he would do a deeper work. Maybe you're facing that right now. Maybe God's on your case. Stuff is going on around you. Life circumstances happen in relationships or with money or job or studies and so on. God's doing a, a deep work in you, hearing the cry of your heart. Then all of a sudden, whilst P Philip is in this revival setting where Jesus was there before at Sychar and the woman at the well, and it was like a great revival, stayed there for two days and lots of people converted. And amazing that the woman whose five failed marriages was used as God's instrument at that time to bring the good news to Sychar. Now Philip is back there and God is moving in a great revival.
And now an angel of the Lord speaks to, uh, to Philip, gives him very clear directions, um, uh, very strategic directions um, to go south on the Gaza Road. Go south on the road, the road, the desert road that, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. An angel. And I, I, I've just been thinking about this just recently. There's so many angels. I would be interesting to see what was going on in the unseen world in this room right now. Amen. Uh, I, I think we are so Western and so scientific. We just don't see. We're just a little bit, bit like you know Elijah and uh, Gehazi, you know. And Gehazi saw all the troops there and so on. And Elijah said, "Oh, she's far more with us than what they are." And he said, "What? What do you mean?" He said, "And Lord opened the guy's eyes, and you could see this host of angels in the sky. There's four, far more with us than with them." Amen. Come on. And Billy Graham, the American evangelist who's well known, great repute and so on, he felt so troubled by the fact that everyone was talking about the devil and demons and so on. So he wrote this book called Angels, God's Secret Agents. He said, angels have a, have a much more important place in the Bible than the devil and his demons. We can take comfort in the fact that with the host of angels at God's call, we are not alone. This angel speaks to Philip. I, I don't think I've ever met an angel. I think I married one, to be honest. <laughs> I often wonder if Andrea is real. She's a beautiful girl. I think I help her prayer life. I think I do. <laughs> An angel speaks and directs Philip, and he just obeys. Heads south from there, it's 50 k's to Jerusalem, another 80 k's towards Gaza. I mean, we're not talking about a walk across the room like Bill Hybels talks about in his book, just to walk across the room. That's not much, isn't it? Someone's over there standing, and the Holy Spirit says, Just go and have a chat with that person over there and just uh, introduce yourself and say hello. What? That's, that's a bit hard. What? Well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm an introvert. I, I don't talk to. Well, if the Holy Spirit's nudging you, just have a go. G'day. My name is, and your name is, and you're doing all right? That's what we do in chaplaincy. And with the power of presence, God's going to come and do some stuff here at Sunnybank, uh, third term, and empower us as a group to be completely available to Jesus in public space. We have seen Wynnum Baptist Church just transformed by simple power of presence it's not hard but when Jesus is king we obey what he says but also the Holy Spirit gives clear direction it's all about go go there and now the Holy Spirit says go to that chariot and, and stay near it I mean it's very clear directions Romans 8 14 says those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God it's to do with our sonship He's the father, I'm a son. When the father speaks to the son or the daughter, sons and daughters should obey, don't you think? It's your sonship. We're led. Just do what we're told. Matthew 4 verse 1 says, Jesus led by the Spirit into the desert. 
and God directed the Lord Jesus by the Spirit. In this case, Philip cooperated and joined in with God and that's our great joy for you to join in with God you know God has hardwired you in a very special way there's a special call on you you've got a special personality a whole stack of background that God has given to you that equips you makes you available I mean the woman at the well five failed marriages she just got excited and began to tell everyone about Jesus just let me close out just with a few things as we jump into the, uh, uh, the slide here about how to be led by the Spirit. And I just love this statement that Jesus gave. And just could we all read it together? If you're under 21, you'll read it real easy. If you're over 21, it's all blurry. But that's okay. Here we go. All together, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father is doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does. That's what we do. We follow Jesus and just do what he does. And I don't know what that might look like tomorrow. I don't need to know really. I just need to be in submission to the king, allowing Jesus be my king. Like we used to sing that song, King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be, lest I forget your thorn-crowned brow. Lead me to Calvary. Help me to die. So Jesus can live the great paradox of the gospel. You could never have resurrection power until you have crucifixion. Until you die. And the Lord Jesus commanded us to to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him. Just a few things just to encourage you. Just be aware of your environment where you are. Just, it's not a nail-biting exercise. You're just working or university or at home or streets. Keep your eyes open. God's working. Lord Jesus, I'm available when you wake up tomorrow morning. Exciting day today, God. Not quite sure what's going to happen today. But I'm available. You're my king. I'm your subject, you're the shepherd, I'm your sheep. I'll I'll try and learn. It's a learning experience. Just being aware, keeping your eyes open. You're not going to be too intense around that. People will wonder what's going on when you're staring at them all the time. Just chill a bit. (laughs) Enjoy the moment on the bus sitting next to someone they can't run away amen (laughs) I love aeroplanes 30,000 feet what are you going to do hello my name is and where are you going to go when you die it really is a great conversation starter see what do you mean well it could happen couldn't it no just joking I'm not really but anyway that's it Wonderful moments in aeroplanes, <laughs> just leading people to the Lord in that space. Just those God moments like the Ethiopian, he's reading his Bible, you know. Someone's already been set up and you're just joining in. Billy Graham says about 17 or 18 encounters before someone gives their lives to Jesus. Just be super aware, be listening to the Spirit, be discerning. Uh, how can I respond? Dear Lord, teach me. I'm just a bit of a novice at this, but i like to have a go. I just, just want to have a conversation. How are you? you're not going to go in with 
you know, both barrels, that won't work very well. Just go in with a whole stack of grace and mercy and smile and just be Jesus to people. And be prayerful. Dear Lord, I need you. I just want to be with you and work with you. And uh, I'm not going to headlock anyone today. That's not what it is. It's being completely ready and available. Be trusting, be obedient, and be patient. God will do the miracle. And for, for Philip, that's exactly what he did. He just obeyed. He was sensitive to the Spirit. Go, run up alongside that chariot. You know, I was riding my high-powered 125 Yami home. My Hiroshima screamer. Sorry, I probably shouldn't say that. And I'm down the track and I pass a restaurant. But you know, the Holy Spirit speaks at all different kinds of times. And I look at the restaurant and the Holy Spirit says, why don't you go into the restaurant? <laughs> I mean, that, it was that direct. Graham, go, go into the restaurant. Someone I want you to talk to. And I said, dear Lord, I'm hungry. I want to go home. This is Graham, rebellious Graham. Any rebellious Grahams in the room? I'm one kilometre down the track. Graham, I thought you were under new management. I thought I was the boss. Another kilometre went by. I'm wrestling. Will I obey? I couldn't live with myself. And I wheeled my motorbike around, the, went back to the restaurant, and I walked into the restaurant because there's an Ethiopian eunuch there, except he's a pilot. In fact, there were two of them. Come and join us, Graham. Come and have your barramundi with us. Still remember it to this day. It was a fantastic piece of fish. And then they turned on me. What's the go, Graham, with you? You don't swear, you don't drink, but you're happy. What are you on? And I said, I'm not sure what you... I'm not sure what you're referring to, brothers, but uh, I found Jesus and he's changed my life and came to this city a very unhappy man. And one night I surrendered. So for two hours they worked me over. And I, at the end of that conversation I thought, well, I'm going to work them over now. I said, Bruce, what are you going to do with Jesus, mate? Oh, he said, I, I, when I walk out of here and if I saw an angel, I'd believe. I said, mate... You're training to be a 747 captain? That's all you want? He said, yeah. I said, I can't arrange it. I would have thought that you want something more substantial, like God's word. What about you, Paul? What are you going to do? He said, oh, Graham, I'm set to go into Australian Airlines as the second officer. I've got everything mapped out for me. And we're all about the same age, about 23, 24. And um, he said, I've got my future settled. I said, Paul, what happens if you die tomorrow? He said, I'll, I'll take a gamble on that. I said, what? He said, flying in Papua New Guinea was very dangerous at the best of times. He said, I'll just take a gamble on it. I said, mate, what? don't you think that's foolish? He said, Graham, I've made up my mind. I'm going to wait till I'm 65 and I'll turn the switch on. I said, mate, it doesn't work like that. 
So I know in my heart that I'm driving down the road. Uh, there's a chariot there, not quite. It's a bit of a story here. But here I am being spoken to by the Holy Spirit. Go back to the restaurant. There's someone in the room that needs to hear something. I said, Paul, it's not like that, mate. You just don't know. You, God knows everything about everything. And you just may not even last. You know, we don't know. He, he stood up behind the chair. I'll never forget. He stood and looked down at me. And I remember saying to him, I said, Paul, if you ever are in trouble, which often used to happen, by the way, flying, call on the name of Jesus and he will save you. That was it. And he shrugged. He kind of threw his hands in the air and said, oh, whatever. But you know, my friend, Paul Johnson, was killed two weeks later. I was in the hangar on a Saturday morning and my boss came and said, Graham, a tragedy's just occurred. Can you get our airplanes ready? We've got to go searching, which I did. We got our airplanes ready and I went back to my job. About an hour or an hour and a half later, he came walking across the hangar floor with his hands in his pocket, looking all forlorn and just overwhelmed. He walked up to me and said, do you know a bloke called Paul Johnson? I said, I sure do. I was having dinner with him just two weeks ago. He said, Graham, he's just been killed. I said, no. That's why I'm here tonight. Just a conversation uh, in a moment of time, just giving a warning, an appeal, just like the Ethiopian is now reading Isaiah 53 and, and Philip walks in just like you're going to walk in throughout this week and have those kind of little moments of engagement. It might only be one word and the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And I stood in front of that machine that we were about to flight test on, on the Monday. And I said, Lord Jesus Christ, I love airplanes. I love my work. It's, it, I get the adrenaline rush and this stuff. But Lord, could I serve you and help people get ready for heaven? Could I do that, please? Could I do that? Would you let me do that? Would you? I'll give it up. And it's a whole story of my call to give up my career, to do what I'm doing now and to be doing it for the last 50 years has been an absolute joy. What a joy to serve the Lord. Amen. And to bring good news to a world that's full of bad news. And you're called to do exactly the same. What are you reading? Uh, I don't fully understand what I'm reading. And you're there to help people discover Jesus and invite them to come to Alpha. Those five friends, come on. Have you got five friends? A neighbor or two? Pray and see what God will do. Do you know North Africa, as we're going to this slide and I'm just about through, I'm, I'm getting a bit animated here, but how amazing that Ethiopia and North Africa and Africa was transformed I know the Queen of Sheba came from that region as well, and that was amazing. But a lot of those early church fathers came out of it. They loved the Bible. They, you know, Augustine of Hippo. Do you know these early church fathers contributed incredibly to the Nicene Creed? Do you think it could have been because of that Ethiopian catching fire after being baptized and taking the scroll of Isaiah back to Ethiopia, and a fire was lit? Do you know 62% of Ethiopians are Christians today? What could God do in your place, in your workplace, just with you? It only takes a spark to get the fire going. Amen? 
God could use you. Oh, Graham, I'm just a little old person. Doesn't matter. God can use you with his anointing. As we come to the final slide, I'm just going to invite you to to pray with me. It's a a powerful prayer of commitment. I don't know where you're sitting on the continuum of your journey with Jesus. Maybe you feel like I was back when I was 21, just sort of powerless and not able to really be a witness for Jesus. But the Holy Spirit's in the room. He's he's been challenging and and, uh, so excited about Sunnybank Baptist Church and the heart of your pastors, Daryl and Trish and, and, and Charlie. To see this church just multiply with people seeking Jesus. Amen. But you say, oh, Pastor Graham, you know what? I need a fresh touch from God. I'm a fairly self-centered individual, proud to be honest. And you want me to step out? No, I don't want you. God says it's the go, it's the go. Go into, go to, go go to the chariot, go go down the road, go this, go that. Just do what you're told and watch God work. Hey, man, come on, just cross the room. Go to my neighbor, mow his lawn on Christmas Eve last year, to Kevin and Bonnie, just mow the lawn, Graham. have a conversation yesterday with Kevin, with my other neighbor who's given his life to Jesus, who tried to take his own life and the rope broke. And he gave his testimony. And Kevin said, I wanted to do the same. I wanted to end it all. And Kevin is coming to Jesus. Hey, love it. Nelly, an 84-year-old lady in church this morning. Come on. Same Jesus. Just God using ordinary people like you and me. A guy who failed in high school. I passed two subjects, woodwork and metalwork. God can do anything when he's the king. Is he your king? Who's the boss? is Jesus your king let's pray together I'm not sure how to close out to be honest you know to be filled with the spirit needs it's like being controlled by the spirit but the question is who's in control I can't use you Graham because I don't own you If you relinquish your right to control, Graham, and to be the king of your life, let me be the king, I'll start doing stuff like you wouldn't imagine. I'll tell you to do stuff that's rather uncomfortable, but it'll be good for kingdom, hey? Amen? You ready for this? If you're a Jesus follower, you do it anyway. You can't live two lives. He's either your king or you're the king. And we need to live out the truth of our baptism that it's a burial service. You know, it would be wonderful to stand before God one day and just see all that he's done through you. It's horrible to stand before God and all those excuses. Too weak, too scared.
time is too short. Come on. It's time to really go for it. And if you kind of sit on the fence and you're a 50% or a 60 whatever it is, come on, let's jump in with both feet. And let Jesus be your king. Just follow him. Ask him to teach you. He will. And we'll have a story. I'll be back probably in a few months' time. I don't know when that is, but wouldn't it be amazing to have some stories? Are you ready for this? It's all or nothing. And God is in the room right now, and I know he wants to do something amazing in and through you, that you've got to die to yourself. Then you will live like you've never lived it before. Would you pray with me? I'm going to say a first prayer, and then we're going to invite us to pray the prayer on the board. But, but yeah, would you like to just say that this is a costly prayer? Come on, let's do it. And let Jesus take control. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, yet you do not do as I say? We have to be obedient. The one who loves me is the one who obeys me. All the excuses are gone. Just right where you are, if you say this prayer, if you would, in your heart, and God will answer. Lord Jesus Christ, I know you're speaking to me. I come tonight just as I am. I'm so sorry about my indifference and any pride or rebellion that's in my heart. I come in humility to surrender. I come to acknowledge that you are king. I relinquish my right to rule and I surrender all that I am completely to you. Would you forgive me? Sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I willingly repent and acknowledge that you're the king and I want you to rule over me as king I want you to be my shepherd I thank you that I'm your sheep I will follow you teach me how to follow to stay close to you to listen to your voice and lovingly obey without question Take me, Lord. Take all of me. I want to make a difference. I need your power in my life. I wonder if we could just um, read this um, prayer on the board. If you're, in fact, if this prayer kind of resonates with you, would you like to stand? Uh, can we do that? Let's do that. If the Holy Spirit is really calling you into this sort of level of of surrender and you've already prayed that first prayer just stand right where you are and you want Jesus to take control 
Come on. Don't hold back. This is obedience. This is what we do as disciples of Jesus. We just follow. Don't do it out of a sense of obligation. Just do it out of a joyful heart. Let's say this all together, shall we? Make it your prayer. All together, Lord Jesus, help me to be guided and led by the Holy Spirit in every, my everyday life. I want to be sensitive and obedient to your voice. Use me for your glory in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I'm now going to pray that you just fall on everyone standing. I pray for that witness of the Holy Spirit, that little dove, to rest on us like it did with you, Lord Jesus, at your baptism. Settle on us, Lord, as willing servants. Teach us how to follow well. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a seat if you want. Charlie will uh, close out. And uh, if you want to come forward for prayer, let Charlie do that bit. Guys, I don't think I need to say any more. So God bless you and keep you this week. May this word dwell with you. And may Holy Spirit challenge you. May you be attentive to his voice and be obedient. Please feel free to come forward for prayer. We would love to pray for you. Uh, feel free to speak to Graham too. There's plenty of people who pray for you. And uh, stay, have a chat, get to know someone you don't know so well. God bless one and all. Thank you for being here. You're a front rower. I've always had Have you? Yeah. Oh, that's Even funny. as a kid, I mean. That's all right. Get down where the action is. <laughs> that's but also, I also concentrate because then I don't have like everybody. That's right. Well no done. Sits here. That's so nice. Like, it's fine. It works out. Praise the Lord. That's good. Oh, yeah. <laughs>